0: Hey man, you could have a seat. So good to worship with you all. I want you to um, say hi to someone next to you, but before you do that, um, hopefully um, well whoever you're sitting next to, maybe one or two people, you're going to share what when your birthday is. And you don't have to share the year if you don't want to. And if you want to lie about it, hey, feel free. Go knock yourself out, all right? Uh, But uh, turn to someone next to you. Tell them when your birthday is, all right? Go ahead and do that. (coughs) And make sure they put it in their calendar. Tell them what you want. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, um, you know, birthdays are so important. Right? Uh, it signifies the beginning of our, you know, our, our life. It's a remembrance of time going by. For some, it's uh, a time to rejoice. For others, they are embarrassed or they, they don't want to have it. But it's, it's there. It's the day that we begin. It's um, Mark Twain who once said that the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. The day you are born and the day you find out why. Right. Ravi Zacharias had summed up that the four most important questions we have to answer, and it's kind of in line with what uh, Twain had said. He said it's um, questioning our origin, our morality, our purpose, and our destiny. You have to know those things. Our origin and destiny. Where am I from? How did I get here? Where am I going? Um, will it end here? And then in the middle, is the question on purpose, why am I here, and morality, how should I live? We have to answer that, where do I get my morality from, how do I decide what is right, what is wrong? Um, And these are the questions that the world has not answered, and yet uh, the Bible gives us these answers. Today we look at the life of of Moses, and he is just born, and we see the birth of Moses, and it's a very uh, interesting chapter in Exodus chapter 2. And we see a couple things here. Now, first of all, that uh, we learn is that our birth matters, right? Secondly is our disappointments matter. And thirdly, God's calling upon those things will ultimately matter the most. So you look at number one is, is the birth. We are all born um, not by accident, not because uh, you're an oops baby, not by um, the, just some coincidence of the world, but ultimately, in God's view, you were born according to him and second thing is our disappointments our mistakes our regrets we all have them Um, but the way God views it is very different than the way that we might see it and run away from it and it ultimately is our calling so we're going to kind of look at that in chapter two we only read a section of the chapter but if you have your Bibles or your apps right you can look it up Uh, but we're going to kind of run through all of chapter 2 we're going to try to do that today and look at that look at the birth look at the mistakes or the disappointments and then the calling ultimately of Moses right Um, and and then we'll see how that refers to us first of all we see in chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 is the description of his birth it's a fascinating story Um, we see that he's these are things out of his control he's Born in the lineage of Levi, the Levite uh, tribe was kind of the priest of the Israelite people. He, they were the ones to go and do the work in the temple. They were the Levites. They would speak on behalf of the people to God. Um, and it tells us that in the very first verse, that is, uh, the house of Levi, a man from the house of Levi, took his wife, a Levite woman. So this is a Hebrew child. All right? Um, not only that, we see here uh, the backdrop of this. Is that remember in chapter one, the king of Egypt had put out a rule to kill all the newborn babies. Remember that he even commanded the midwives to do that, and they had more fear of God than the king. But now you can imagine the uh, dark atmosphere of the land. This is the worst time to be born. If you are going to be born, you're hoping you're having a daughter. And this is a time you do not want to be born. And if you think about it, you say, boy, if I could pick a time as a, as a wise human being, this would be the last time I would have a savior be born. Someone who's going to lead the Exodus. But yet God in his perfect plan allows Moses to be born at the most darkest of times. Not only that, um, just the stories here, right, that we see. That he's born. They say he's a fine child. Um, that he is... Uh, you know, a beautiful child, but there was something deeper, there was something good about him that they noticed. And we see in verse 3, when she could hide him no longer, she took uh, for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. um, What she now... Does the mother of Moses does is she puts him in? And the scholars all tell you when you go to the commentaries, they tell you that it's basically all the ingredients of the ark. It was a little ark that Noah basically built, and the same pitch is used to put it together. And so he finds salvation in the ark like Noah did. And so there's a lot of story uh, parallels there that we could uh, dig into deeper. Um, He's born in this way. Um, He's born. Now, when he is born, he gets sent down the river on this little ark, right? And he's going downstream, and uh, it's interesting, he has an older sister, in verse 4 it tells us, that Moses' sister is now sent by the mom. Go see what happens. Go look after your baby. Let's go see who picks him up. Let's see if he survives. Because they're trying to save him, because he's going to get killed. And so as he is going down, somehow by God's perfect design, By his perfect planning, the person that ends up intercepting this baby is the daughter of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's own daughter is now bathing in downstream, and she sees this baby. She immediately is attached to the baby and says, oh, you know, this is going to be mine. He's going to be mine. I'm going to adopt this child. Now let's think about that for a moment. This is God's ultimate plan. This is God's perfect design. Out of all the people that the, could have picked him up, it, was, it wasn't it was an animal, it wasn't a gator, it wasn't a wild, you know, uh, someone that would have a soldier. It was the daughter of Pharaoh. Now you think about Pharaoh who had put out an edict of let's kill all the male babies. Who would he listen to? Now, um, all our sisters here, you know, you probably, a lot of you had a special connection with your dad. You kind of know, like, you go to your mom, and mom might be like, no, you can't do that. No, you know, no piercings till you're 21. You know, like, no, 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 you know, no boyfriend till you're 30, you know, like, and and then you go to dad, dad, can I please? And, you know, like, I have two daughters, I know. And there's a soft spot for daughters. And, and, you know, dad, can I please, please have a tank? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you deserve it. You know, let's go get one. Whatever you want. Um... But no boyfriend until you're 30, right? And so, uh, but that's the picture here. God, in His perfect plan, out of all the people, it wasn't a general. It wasn't the second man in charge. It wasn't a soldier. It wasn't a wild animal. It was the daughter of Pharaoh. The only, maybe the only one that He would listen to. Somehow intercepts Him. Now, Uh, takes him. And this is the part that we know that God is in the birth of Moses is, um, takes him and then the older sister just happens to be there and says, oh, do you need help nursing this child? Do you need some help around you? And obviously the Pharaoh's daughter has all the resources She goes, I need someone to nurse this child. Because I know a woman, I know a Hebrew woman over there. My mom, she could nurse this child. And she takes her back, takes him back to the mom to care for the child. Can you imagine now she is going to get paid to take care of her own child. Moms, moms, wouldn't that be fantastic? Like, shouldn't someone pay you to do this? She's going to get paid to take her own child, to nurse her own child, and care for him till maybe he was age three or four. You can imagine them back at home. They have Moses. They're praying, God, save this child. They let him go. God, we don't know what will happen. And somehow, all of a sudden, he is brought back, and the daughter of Pharaoh says, please, I'll adopt him, please, but let me pay you. Can you take care of him for the first three four years? Because you want me to take care of my, you know, can you imagine in their head? You want me to take care of him, and you're going to pay me, and you're going to adopt him, and he's going to have the best of everything? It's like, And we've all maybe had moments like that. Where We think the coincidences and all the things that have happened were just, like, God's hand is in this. You know, as a Christian, as we believe that God is sovereign, one thing that we understand is there is no whoops in his vocabulary or there are no coincidences or there is not someone who just happened to be lucky. It's all under God's plan. And we see this here with Moses that his birth matters. And God is going to determine what's going to happen and even the king can't deter that. Um, we often come uh, and sometimes it's unfortunate because we take ourselves. Um, sometimes too lightly in a way the worth of ourselves you know we see this in jeremiah when he's called by god you know they say god i'm not worthy i'm not good enough um I'm, who am i to do this and god reminds jeremiah you were called you were made for me you know in jeremiah chapter one it says this that the word of god came to me saying before i formed you in the womb i knew you and before you were born i consecrated you i appointed you as a prophet to the nations then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command, you shall speak. So, but what God tells Jeremiah is, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you. I knew you, I consecrated you, I appointed you. We see here that God had a plan for the birth of Jeremiah, and the the life of Jeremiah, and some of us think, well, I happen to be born, maybe you were born in L.A., maybe you were born outside the state, outside the country. And you think, boy, just by mere coincidence, it just happened this way. We immigrated or, you know, we moved here and uh, we ended up finding a church or my, I was born into this family where my grandfather was, a, you know, a Christian. And But somehow, in God's perfect plan, he has brought you here to this moment. And he has instilled his faith in you. And you are here. You know, so it tells us in Jeremiah, it tells us in the Psalms, uh, it tells us in, in, in Paul's writings in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so the idea is that we're all, the what they were made is all created by God. How we're made is made by God. So God doesn't simply allow a bunch of things to happen on its own in a random fashion. Somehow, in its perfect way, you're born. So we look at Moses, we say, well, this isn't the ideal birth. Uh, this isn't how you should have the birth of the Savior of this country, of these people, be born. He shouldn't be born during this era. This is the wrong time. He shouldn't be born in this way. It's the wrong, uh, you know, wrong place. But he is. And We understand. We have to know that our birth matters. When, when God formed us, it wasn't just the will of a man or a woman. It's the will of God. That we all have a birthday and we go back to it. The second thing we see is our disappointments matter. Um, as we live life, we have regrets, we have disappointments, uh, we have heartbreaks, uh, um, things that we look back and say, God, I wish I didn't do that. I, I, you know, I I wish I, I shouldn't have never bought that thing. You know, we've all bought that thing, right? Like I shouldn't have bought it. That was so dumb. It was like, ah, you know, just a waste of. time. I shouldn't have opened that credit card. That was, ah, why did I do that? Um, you know, I shouldn't have taken that. I shouldn't have taken that extra. You know, degree it was a waste of my. You know, and we all have that. What Moses goes through are the disappointments that are far worse. It brings him shame, isolation. Um, This is what happens. These are his disappointments, and I want to highlight some from verse 11 through 15 for us. First of all, um, he sees an Egyptian. Remember, the Egyptians were treating the Hebrews like slaves, and they are being harsh towards him. And it tells us in verse 11 and 12 that um, one was being harsh towards him, and he ends up fighting and beating up and killing the Egyptian. And he hides him in the sand. He hides them. He hides the evidence. And you could say, well, he was doing the right thing. He was sticking up for the bully, uh, to the bully. He was sticking up for the victim. But not only that, he sees two Hebrews fighting each other. And what happens? He ends up to go and break that up in verse 12 and 13. And they turn on him and they say, who are you? Are you going to kill us too? Who do you think you are? And so right there it goes to the core of Who he is, he thought he was doing what was right. It backfires. He now goes to uh, bring peace, and now the shame is brought upon him. He thought it was hidden, and it is exposed, and people know who he is and what he's done. It's interesting because later on, this is kind of his personality. Later on, um, when he goes to Median, uh, the land of the Medianites, and they're at the to get, get water. There are seven sisters trying to get water, and all these shepherds, these kind of rough guys come in, and they're harassing The women and he fights and sticks up for them. So he's the type of guy. He's the personality of, and I was thinking about this, you know, in the movie uh, American Sniper, right? I'm sure a lot of you've seen that. Yeah, for a lot of guys, it was like the guy movie, right? Um, uh, Wayne Kale, he has that famous line. He he categorizes all people, right, in three parts, right? One is the, um, what is it, the sheep. Most people are the sheep, and then they're the wolves. But what was he? The what? remembers sheepdog right you can watch it like that he was the sheepdog and uh, if you watched it and you're kind of like the macho guy you're like that's me you know I'm the sheepdog that's me that's you know we say yep I'm not I'm not the sheep um uh, you know I'm not the and so I think that's his personality he's the type of guy that would stop to intervene he's the type of guy that would go to help someone and that's who he was, but it all backfired. And it, So this is what happens. He gets rejected by his own people. He gets, he, he's isolated from his family because Pharaoh is out to kill him now because he killed an Egyptian. And so he's in an unfamiliar land. And he goes far away, and he goes, and he becomes a shepherd. He marries one of the seven girls that he helped, and he lives there. And then we could look at that and say, boy, what a failure, what a uh, regretful life, what a life filled with what ifs. Man, if I wouldn't have done that, I could have done something else, I could have done so much more. But it is at that point that God intervenes in his life. It is at that point that God steps in. You know, uh, Acts 7.27 tells us it was, he was out there till age 40 and it's at age 40 where the next chapter he, you know, encounters God in the burning bush. It's at age 40 that God encounters him. So all the way till then you're thinking, boy, you know, I'll just kind of settle out here. I'm in the country. uh, It's peaceful. But he was outside of God's will and he was outside of what God wanted him to do until God calls him in this way. And some of us, we are out there. Maybe we have made mistakes, and maybe we have regrets, and we're just out there, and we think, well, I'm just hanging out on the fringe. I was listening to a uh, commencement speech given by J.K. Rowling, the the famous author of the, uh, what is that, the Harry Potter um, series, and she was speaking at Harvard, and so she's talking to the top of the cream of the crop in our country, and she's speaking to them, and one of the things that she highlights was that the uh, is she uses her life as an example she says she was, in the, she was the poorest that you could be without being homeless and she was left by her first husband and she was now a single mother barely making ends meet and her dream was always to write and she talks about that and one of the things she says is that the fear of failure is far greater than poverty you know, the fear of failure our failures strip away the inessential and makes us focus on what is essential so she's saying you're so afraid of fail you think your failures are there to hurt you, but she says, for her, it was something that was used to show what was really important. When she was at that moment, and maybe a lot of us have been there, where we said, I should have listened to my parents. Her parents were really against her becoming an author. And I should have just taken a normal job. I should have gone the safer path. And it was in that failure she learned what was important, and it changed her life. Um... Many people take the path of Moses and say, I'll just settle. I'll go outside of God's will. I'll just settle there because I've embarrassed myself here. Uh, Maybe we didn't kill someone or maybe we're not having someone after our lives So maybe there has been some hardships and we, we go away in isolation. I'm outside of what God wants me to do but it's okay. I'll just settle there. Well, God intervenes. And we have to know that when he intervenes, um, he has something for us. You know, C.S. Lewis who says that failures are fingerposts on the road to achievement. Right? Failures are fingerposts on the road to achievement. Uh, this is the part of the redemption story. This is what makes the gospel the most appealing story in the world. The story of the gospel: failures, broken sinners, unacceptable to God, that are redeemed. This is why the stories of Jesus in the Gospels are so beautiful, where he keeps encountering failures, people on the fringe of society, and he now redeems them, and he calls them back. And it is here where God intervenes. It's interesting, right? In verse 23 of Exodus 2, it says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out loud. And this is a summary of what's been going on in the last uh, 40 years. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew that. This is the first time from chapter 1 of Exodus all the way to chapter 2, verse 23, that God is now visibly on the scene. He intervenes for the first time. All the way up to this, God's not mentioned. And the commentators have often say, well, God is not mentioned, where is God in this? God was not visible, God seemed invisible to Moses who wrote this. But it is at this point God steps in and the calling comes to come and live in this way for him. We have to understand, um, as we see here, I, I don't know when God had stepped into your life. But maybe you are on the fringe and you're on the outside and your mistakes have haunted you and your birth seemed insignificant and God comes in and says, no, you were born for me. Um, I made you to be this kind of man, and I have these kind of plans to mold and make you to be this kind of woman. And then you being outside, all of your mistakes, I will redeem those things. And you look at Moses. He spent 40 years out in the wilderness, um, the first 40, you know, all his adult life basically, and he learns the lay of the land. He learns how to shepherd sheep. And if you've been in the church and you've heard stories about what sheep are, sheep are very difficult to lead. They're uh, helpless and they're dumb. And the Bible keeps calling you and I sheep, you know, like we're the the sheep of his pasture. Um, It's not a compliment. It's actually a real put-down saying, you know, you're very frustrating. You're helpless. Just be quiet and listen, right? Don't think you know where you're going. And so next time you go to Psalm 23, it's a different approach. Like, yeah, God, I am so dumb and helpless without you. It's not a gentle sheep pet. No, it's not like that, okay? Um, it's nothing cute about that. But during those times, he is now trained, and it is in his mistake, in something about him where he said he wants to be that sheepdog. He wants to go and save people, and God had put that in him, and it's 40 years. When he's 40 years old, God will call him back. And he ends up going back. Now, this is, this is a God moment, isn't it? to go back to where they want to kill you, to go back where everyone knows all of your shame, right? to go back where everyone knows everything bad about you. Most of us, we know people like this. Most of us, we make a mistake. We just go and hide. Uh, you know, We'll move cities. We'll move churches. We just want to get away. I don't want people to know. No, God calls him back in. He says, yeah, you are flawed, you are broken, let's go back in. And he decides to go back in. And this is the calling that we see in the next chapter. God has been working in and through us, whether we know it or not. There's a story that illustrates this. It goes all the way back to 1942 during World War II. Uh, Young 19-year-old young man, Elgin Staples, is on the uh, USS Astoria. Young man from... uh, Akron, Ohio. He is on this, and all of a sudden, they are lit up at night, and the Japanese have surrounded him, and they're taking uh, just attack to the point where um, they have to now abandon ship. He has shrapnel on his legs. He could barely swim, but he, he jumps into the water, and as he's in the water, he, one of the things that he had was this little life belt, life, uh, kind of a vest, but it, wasn't, it was a belt that was supposed to keep you afloat. And this is very visible because he can't tread water, and he is in the deep water for over four hours. um, And it is that simple little belt that is keeping him afloat. And as he is staying afloat, he notices, and he's clinging onto this belt. This belt is saving his life. Uh, Four hours later, the USS Bagley comes and rescues these young men. And they rescue him, they pick him up, and they're trying to head back on towards shore. The, their ship gets grounded, and they have to now abandon the ship again. And by this time, he is very uh, cognizant of this belt. He wants to make sure he has it. And he makes sure it's tightened and fastened, and he jumps back into the water. Um, hours later, he's rec- rescued for the second time by the USS President Jackson. And after he's rescued and he's settled down, he notices and he takes his belt off and he's looking at this thing that saved his life. And he looks closely at the embroidery on there and it says that it was made in Akron, Ohio. And he thought that was fascinating. And he takes this home with many other things and he is finally sent home. Uh, and he goes and he's talking to his mother. He says, "Mom, I wanted to show you something. It was kind of interesting. He goes, this thing saved my life. And he shows his mother this thing that had saved his life. And I says, look where it's made. It's made in our hometown. And the mom takes a look at that. She looks at it carefully, and she uh, takes a a moment. And then she quietly starts to explain. She goes, while you were gone, I wanted to do my part. She goes, so I went, and I started working at the factory that made these things. And while I made, uh, and my job there was to be an inspector. And she looked closely, and there was an inspector's number on the belt. And she said, that was my number. I inspected this belt. Here's a young man that is rescued. Thousands of miles away, someone rescued him. He's clinging on to that. Um, Didn't know it while he was in the water. Didn't know it till later he found out. And that's really the story of our Heavenly Father who has rescued us. From eternity past, he decided when you're going to be born, he decided how you're going to live, what experiences and hardships you will endure and go through, and he says, I'm still going to use you, and I want to send you back into where it's difficult, and I'm going to save you for this purpose. There is no simple application to this other than it gives us, doesn't it give us courage? That Doesn't it give us meaning? Doesn't it give us a purpose that every day I get up, And if you are a married person, you say, I'm going to be the the godliest man, the godliest woman possible. And if I go to work tomorrow and you're going back into an office, I'm going to be the best person at my office possible because God has this plan in my life. And if you have an opportunity to go do something for the Lord that requires courage, doesn't this give you courage? He calls us back. And I want to challenge us to know that our birth matters Uh, our disappointments matter because God will use and God will redeem all we are for his greater work he has that belt on us before the creation of the world and we're saved through Christ in that way let's pray together Lord thank you that you care for us that you carefully made us And God, we want to um, live courageously for you. So would you help us to do that? Uh, Lord, all of us are here, not by accident, not by the will of our man or woman, but Lord, it is by your will. And all of us have faced our hardships and our shortcomings. And God, it's not the end. So you call us back. You forgive us. You redeem us. You... You energize us, and you send us back in. So, God, this is where we stand here. Uh, We want to grasp that truth. The moment someone, Lord, says that uh, our birth didn't matter, that our hardships are permanent, God, we we look to you, uh, the maker of all things, the redeemer of all things, God, we look to you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.